Hello there, Obi-Wan Kenobi here, and you're listening to Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast, brought to you by StarWarsDaily.com. The Force will be with you, always. Long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, the Galactic Republic, Confederacy of Independent Systems, and various mercenary factions vie for control of the galaxy in a seemingly never-ending conflict known as the Clone Wars. Caught in the middle of this epic struggle, the Jedi Knights strive to maintain order and civility in a deadly game that is being manipulated by the Dark Lords of the Sith. From the war-torn front lines, Michael Cohen, Matthew Krenke, and their dedicated team of analysts emerge as voices of truth and stability in these dark and deceptive times. Hey everybody, welcome back to Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast, the original podcast dedicated to the Clone Wars animated series. This is episode number 118 for the episode entitled Sabotage. Listen up, y'all. It's Sabotage. My name is Matt the Crankster Crinky, <laughs> your co-host for the evening, and joining me on the other side of the mic is Michael J. Cohen. What's up, my friend? Hey, uh, we are, we're back to talk... A new the series. First, the first episode in this... Uh, in this A new arc. Yeah. Arc, yeah. Uh, a little bit of a slow start, but that's okay. Yeah, Good yeah. stuff coming. It, it, this is all set up, right? This yeah, up. yeah. We'll talk about that. It is a little little slow. You know, coming off of last yeah. week, it's just like, wow, you yeah. know, what, what are you going to do? You know, it's, it's, it's going to be hard to top that, especially with the first part of an arc. So, yeah. Uh, but we will get into that uh, before we jump into the news um let's get into the news right we want to do that yeah let's do it all right welcome i have been expecting you this is just the beginning this is where the fun begins join us or die our meeting was not a coincidence i'm glad you're here to tell us these things (laughs) all right mike we got uh, some some really good news, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. Some interesting news. Uh, again, stuff that hits after we record, but uh, it's good nonetheless. Hey, new spinoff film set to expand the Star Wars galaxy. And they confirmed this on StarWars.com, which is nice, so we can talk about it. We are getting spinoff movies, and it looks like they're going to happen um, fairly quick, right after Episode 7, if I'm correct. Right, Mike? Yeah. Uh, no, uh, not even necessarily after. I, well, but I guess after. Pretty close, but, yeah. But but like the same year, like I. Uh, it sounds like what we're gonna end up with is something very similar to the way that Disney handles. Uh, well, more so more so than Disney, the way that Marvel, Marvel Studios is yeah. handling stuff, mm-hmm. uh, which is to put out approximately two movies a year, which is something that they've been doing for a long time. I mean, they've been doing that since. Uh, <clears throat> since uh, Spider-Man came out, essentially. 
Uh, some of those movies are probably ones that people would rather forget, like Daredevil and Hulk and <laughs> yeah. uh, and stuff, and Ghost Rider and stuff like that. But it doesn't change the fact that Marvel's been doing this for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, recently, with uh, the, the big difference is, is uh, the Disney acquisition and the formation of Marvel Studios. When they formed Marvel Studios, they stepped up their game. Um, and it stopped being Sony producing this or or Fox producing this. Instead, it was Marvel doing their own movies and then having them distributed by different studios such as Paramount. So, I in, in fact, I would say that Marvel originally started copying Lucasfilm. Because if you go back to the 80s, mm-hmm. uh, late 70s, early 80s, you got 77, you got Star Wars. Uh, 80, you have empire and then uh pretty soon after that you had return uh sorry not return of the jedi raiders of the lost ark and then return of the jedi Mm -hmm. and then temple of doom and then the last crusade right uh and willow is in there as well so uh this this was sort of a, a one movie a year sort of situation with with lucasfilm for a little while there um, so this is, I would say, more than than it being a new structure. I feel like this is a bit of a return to form. Mm-hmm. It's just the idea that some of these movies would be Star Wars movies, I think, is, is what's new and exciting. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited. I still hold to the fact that I think some of them are going to be animated. I think some of them really? are going to huh. be... Yeah, I think some of these movies, uh, just with the schedules that they're talking about, and with Lucasfilm animation being such a huge asset now, and uh, and your ability... Okay, so here's the thing. Bob Iger comes out and he says he can confirm there will, in fact, be Star Wars spin-off movies mm-hmm. set in, in the Star Wars galaxy that will be coming out at the same time as 7, 8, and 9. Mm-hmm. 7, 8, and 9 are their focus, but... Lawrence Kasdan and Simon Kinberg are working on other movies, on other Star Wars movies, while Michael Arndt works on Episode 7. While Michael Arndt is working on Episode 7, Lawrence Kasdan and and Simon Kinberg are going to be consulting, and they're going to be helping out with Episode 7, which is good. I, I feel like, like, uh, uh, Lawrence Kasdan is kind of there as a bit of a um, a bit of a George proxy, like he's kind of he's uh, George will also be there and he'll also be yeah. be integral to the process. I think, but I think when you get Lawrence Kasdan in there, you you add a certain um, you add a certain pedigree that's not just Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, as much as he wrote Empire and it's the greatest of the films, I uh, some of that is also owed to uh, Irvin Kershner and some of that's just owed to. The, the original concept of what was going to happen in that movie mm-hmm. that lends itself to, to it being the best Star Wars movie but it, it, Lawrence Kasdan also has Raiders of the Lost Ark he's got uh, the the big chill he's got he's got a, a good, Jedi yeah yeah a good dozen movies under his belt that you can say this is a guy who knows what he's doing he knows what he's talking about he knows story he knows epic sci-fi he also knows more personal character-driven stuff. Michael Arndt being so character-driven. I mean, uh, Little Miss Sunshine's an excellent film. An amazingly good film. 
and if anybody hasn't seen it, they need to go and see it. You know, I, I will recommend right now, just in preparation for episode seven, everybody needs to go out. This is homework for all the listeners. Everybody has to go out and they have to watch Little Miss Sunshine and they have to watch Super 8. Because mm-hmm. if you take those two things and you combine them together with Empire Strikes Back, I'm pretty sure that's what episode seven is going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and, and that's a lot to look forward to. But I'll go back just to bring it back to everything. One of the rumors that's that's shooting around is that one of the, that that these movies that are being worked up are Han Solo and Boba Fett standalone films. Right. Um, if you're gonna make a Han Solo movie, there's one really big issue that that everybody is gonna have with that, and that's that Harrison Ford is not Han Solo in that movie because it's gonna have to be a movie about Han Solo when he's young. That's uh, what I was going to ask you. Is can't I mean he hasn't as far as the Star Wars universe he hasn't died yet. So where could it be? I mean, could it be a future thing or or a past I, thing? I don't know? I don't think that you can have. I don't think that you can have a Han Solo movie set post without Return Harrison of the Jedi. Yeah. Well, no, not necessarily without Harrison, but without Mark and Carrie as well. And to me, that's Episode Seven. Like that that. Mm-hmm. There's no point in uh, in doing a standalone movie with the three of them when putting the three of them together. Like that's the Skywalker saga, mm-hmm. and Han Solo is sort of uh, uh, inextricably tied to that. Like he's he's uh, I don't know if inextricably is the right word. Uh, he, you can't. You, there's nothing you can do about it. He's in there. Like he's he's part of of that saga now he's part of the skywalker saga mm-hmm. um just by virtue of the fact that he's in the the original trilogy right um uh, that, that he's one of the main characters i mean it's the original trio right so i don't think you can do that but i do think that you can do a han solo movie set before a new hope between episode three and a new hope i mm-hmm. uh, I think that there's room to tell a story there. It's got to be a really good story in order to win over audiences. But the biggest thing is how do you replace Harrison Ford? And uh, the the simple fact of the matter is that you cannot replace Harrison Ford. So what you need to do is is well, like look what they've done with the Clone Wars. Can you replace Ewan McGregor? No, you can't. But you can get James Arnold Taylor in there to... Uh, make the character his own can you replace Hayden Christensen yes you can with Matt Lanter and it's really easy because Mm -hmm. Matt Lanter is awesome and Hayden Christensen left a little bit to be desired so I you know but the thing the thing that makes it easy to do that is the fact that it's in an animated realm and now all of a sudden all we really have to worry is that the voice and the cadence is similar we don't we can we can get past the physical aspect of it that it's not actually Harrison Ford. Um, that being said, I uh, River Phoenix in in the Last Crusade does an excellent job of being a young Indiana Jones, mm-hmm. and uh, and and the many people who played young Indy over the course of the young Indiana Jones series uh, did did an all right job. I mean that show was kind of it was a bit of a Mm-hmm. It was a bit of a flop. It was a little. It kind of missed the mark a little bit, but but they tried, um, and they did all right. I don't think that they did a bad job. It it it's really going to depend on how young they they decide to go, and uh, and and who they 
who they can kind of cast in that role. Here's the biggest problem with the casting. Anybody who would make a good Han Solo is the age that Harrison Ford was when he played Han Solo. Yeah. <laughs> and right. I think that that's the really tricky part. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the only person that really jumps to mind for me that would make an excellent Han Solo, and I might be completely alone on this, but the only person that jumps to mind for me is Taylor Kitsch from John Carter. Mm-hmm. Uh, if anybody's watched Friday Night Lights, uh, it's a much better example of this than than John Carter was. Because John Carter, I've said uh, a, a few times, uh, I don't know if I've said it on the podcast, but I've said it in other places, um, the character that Taylor Kitsch plays of John Carter is essentially Han Solo and Luke Skywalker mixed together. Like that that's mm-hmm. uh, or more accurately Han Solo and Luke Skywalker are different aspects of that character broken into two separate things. I uh, but if you watch Friday Night Lights, if you've watched some of the other things that that Taylor Kitsch has done, he's really he's got that same sort of uh I don't want to use. I, I shy away from using this word because it's a very trendy word. But he's but it's he's Han Solo. He's got the the same swagger, right? I think that Harrison Ford is one of the guys who originated the word swagger. It's the same thing that Humphrey Bogart had. It's the same thing uh, that Harrison Ford's guy. It's it's that sort of. He's not a good guy, but you like him anyways. Right. Right? Yeah. Like, you, you just, you love him, even though there's so much about him that you're like, this is not, this is not the guy. Right? But he's, he, you know, he's kind of pretty, but he's kind of gruff, and he's kind of uh, charming, but also kind of a jerk, and all of those sorts of things, like the very... Um, Roguish nature of Han Solo, so I, I that would be my my vote for who who you'd get to play him. Uh, there's a few other names being thrown around, and and some of them are pretty good. I think the other one would be Garrett Headland. I was just but, gonna say that, yeah. But yeah. Garrett Headland has has the Tron franchise that right. that he's gonna be focused on right now. Um, that's not to say, I mean, Garrett Garrett Headland being in Tron as well as a Han Solo standalone movie isn't isn't beyond the re- the realm of reason. I mean, Harrison Ford was playing Han Solo in Indy at the same time, um, as well as doing other movies. I mean, it's it's not as though those are the only movies that he filmed in that era. He filmed he filmed tons of movies. He was a busy guy, and with the way that you film a Star Wars movie nowadays, as well as a Tron movie. I mean, really, um, there's a lot of time spent on sound stages. <laughs> Yeah. There's not really a lot of flying around different places in the world and that sort of thing like there was back in the day. So, uh, for better or worse, um, which most people would probably say is worse, uh, but but it is what it is, and uh, and it, it allows actors to star in tons of movies um, and never leave Los Angeles. So, so I, I don't know. It, this is, it's an interesting development, and uh, and I I'm curious to see what happens with this, but. I do think that you could get a lot of different people to play the voice of Han Solo and do an animated Han Solo movie that yeah. that would... Um, the second you go into the animated realm, I feel like you can be a little bit more forgiving. I think you can get away with a lot more as a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And, and people are going to go into it going, mm-hmm. well, this one's one of the animated ones. 
right? Like if they if they sort of they get out in front of it, they make it clear that there's going to be two types of Star Wars movies now, and there's also going to be TV series, and Star Wars isn't just one thing anymore. Like you can't peg it as just. And I mean, Star Wars fans, everybody listening to this podcast knows that that's been true for the last 15 years. But I think the general public needs to know that Star Wars is much more than just six movies. It is, in fact, seven movies already. And, uh, you know, critically acclaimed award-winning animated series and comic books and novels and video games and all of these different things. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Well, I, I think, know what, uh, yeah, sorry. What do you think about it? Well, here's the thing. Um, again, I, I would just like to re- reiterate that having Lawrence Kasdan back is really cool, and I think to give that continuity between all this stuff, mm-hmm. I mean, they're really taking it serious, uh, keeping this tight uh, with, the, with the same, with Kasdan kind of writing his own spinoff, but he's also involved with Seven, like you said. So this continuity thing is going to be kind of cool. Uh, we don't know if it's going to be Han Solo and Boba Fett. I think that's just rumors so far going on. I even heard a, a rumor that Yoda was going to be involved in one of the spinoffs. But again, this is all kind of rumors as far as we know right now. Um, yeah, and Jabba the Hutt. Jabba the Hutt yeah. one of the other ones that people oh, did, grown Yeah, around, I didn't remember seeing that. Ridiculous, uh, but. It's going to be hard. Here's the thing, Mike. It's going to be hard. Again, we're talking um, when the prequel trilogy came out, and I think maybe that suffered a little bit from us knowing, you know, what happens to most of the main characters. And this might fall into the same trap. I mean, you got Han Solo. We know that he makes it through episode six, mm-hmm. um, and he might be in seven. So, you know, it's going to have to be really something really good for us to really jump on this because we kind of know what's going on. Again, Boba Fett, this is something that you could, you could really mess with. You can do something like after Return of the Jedi. I mean, if you, if you really got something from Lucas saying, hey, Boba Fett, um, you know, he falls into the Sarlacc, but hey, if you want to get him out, um, go for it. You know, something like that. Like, you can go crazy with that with mm-hmm. Boba Fett, you know what I mean? And, and go f- from episode six and beyond. There's a little more play, I think, with that character if there are, he's allowed, if somebody's allowed to do that with Boba Fett, you know what I mean? So with Han Solo, I think it's, I would be a little more happy with a Boba Fett film, depending on where they go with it, than maybe Han Solo. But I do like the Garrett Hedlund thing. Uh, he was my first pick, just because he has this, I saw a picture of him and, and, and Harrison Ford next to each other in this blog you know, talking about who would you like to see as Han Solo. And yeah. it was like, wow. I mean, physically, it would be perfect. But, you know, it's more about the cadence, the the writing and stuff like that, that you could, um, more than it is if they look the same. So I think it's great. I think it's it's really cool that they're doing the spinoff stuff. Um, I would have loved to seen Vader myself. I mean, I, it's no shock that I'm a Vader fan. I would love to see what happens after mm-hmm. episode three. And, and we kind of heard a little bit about what happened to him in, that, in the book Dark Lord. But... To see it on screen, um, maybe before he got a little older in A New Hope and the rest of the OT, you know, kind of see him hunting down Jedi or something like that, even though we kind of know what happens to him. I, personally, I would love something like that. But again, Kazan's back on board with both of these. I'm excited about that. And we still don't know yet if it's going to be Boba Fett or Han Solo. As far as I know, Mike, then this has been confirmed, right? Yeah, no, nothing's confirmed. Okay, right. So right. yeah, this is all this is all rampant speculation at the moment. This yeah. is just us 
saying, wouldn't it be cool if... Right, right. So, um, But the, the great is. thing about the Boba Fett movie, just to talk about that for a second, is that um, especially if you put it post-Return of the Jedi, right? Uh, and you have him crawl his way out of the Sarlacc pit, which I think... I think what better way to start a movie than with yeah, Boba Fett yeah. in the Sarlacc pit? Like, you just yeah. start on Tatooine. Like, How like cool you do the... I don't even know if you do the crawl for for some of these movies. I think I think we can get away from that because things are going to be different now, right? So you don't even do the crawl. You just you just have have the the movie start Lucasfilm logo, Disney logo, mm-hmm. black screen, and then the stars fade in, and then you pan down to Tatooine, and then you cut to essentially the Sarlacc pit and the smoldering pile of rubble that is Jabba's sail barge. <laughs> Yeah, and you cool just hear ass. like you just hear That's like pop, pop, boom, 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 and then you just see jetpack flying out and Boba Fett landing, and and the helmet's like smoking or like like uh, sizzling, like it's being digested, mm-hmm. and he just pulls it off and throws it on the ground, and it's Tamara Morrison, and yeah. you're like a whole movie of Tamara Morrison. <laughs> I can do that. Like yeah. that's that. I, I, he is he's an awesome actor that I think one of the shames of Hollywood is that that it tends to Hollywood tends to whitewash because they're so concerned about North American audiences because that's the biggest demographic that's the biggest market mm-hmm. and to be to be perfectly honest middle America doesn't want ethnic heroes and protagonists that's just the way that it is it sucks that that's the way that it is um being on the west coast i I think you and i probably don't even remotely feel that way but i'm sure that there are a lot of people out there that pay a lot of money and go to a lot of movies that do feel that way so hollywood shies away from using actors like tamara morrison in lead roles and it's a shame because he's a really good actor um and he's he's the sort of person that that could carry a movie, and I think if you're going to to start to pull away the mystique of Boba Fett, you have to do it in a really like big bad way, and it's got to be like it has to be an action movie. It has to be like mm-hmm. like Machete or like uh, like a Stallone movie or like a Schwarzenegger movie. Like it has to be Boba Fett, just like blowing stuff up just like a like a jason statham sort of like it doesn't stop Mm -hmm. like that what i just described is the opening of the movie that's the most calm it ever gets yeah like you set up that now he's he's on on a a quest for vengeance or something like that i guess jedi uh, yeah yeah yeah, and and he just like that that's just where it where it goes is just you know just him blowing stuff up and killing people right um I don't think that you can have a Boba Fett movie with a whole lot of story without ruining the character. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion. I'm sure that there's a lot of people out there who would disagree with me, but that character isn't a character of backstory. That character is a character of just like the reason why everybody loves him because is because of his visual, right? There's a reason why you go to Star Wars Celebration and there's hundreds of Mandalorians. Mm-hmm. It's not because Boba Fett had such an engrossing character arc over the course of his 15 minutes in Empire and Return of the Jedi, it's because he stood there, he looked awesome, and everybody wanted to be him, right? Right. So, 
yeah, incredible visuals, yeah. And so we'll see. Trade we'll on see. That, but but we'll, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. More importantly, we got to talk about sabotage. Sabotage, yeah. We're starting off this new arc, so let's do it right now. Something is stirring in the underworld. Remember, there can only be two. You are our secret weapons. There are some citizens of the Republic who believe the Jedi Order is not what it used to be. We can help you reclaim Mandalore. Oh my, look at the time. Well, my work is done. You are a clone and a soldier in the Republic Army. I sense a deep anger in you. Everything that you fought so hard for will be destroyed. Anakin! Sometimes heroes fall, despite their strength. Onderon is out. We are brothers. The All right, folks, here we go with Sabotage. And I will start it off here. Uh, let's see. Anakin Skywalker and his Padawan Ahsoka Tano rush to the rescue as they lead a squadron of starfighters to the planet below. From the launch bay of a Jedi cruiser soar two Jedi interceptors, leading a quartet of clone headhunters and four gunships past Separatist, frigates, and vulture droids. In the Red Fighter, Ahsoka punches a hole through Separatist defenses and the Republic ship darts through the polished spires of the Cato Nomodian bridge cities. The droid fighters give pursuit, launching a buzz droid-laden missile at the Jedi ships. Anakin's yellow spider zips through a cloud of buzz, buzz droids and is quickly swarmed by the mechanical vandals. Ahsoka's fighter escapes unmolested. Anakin uses the force to push the droids off his canopy, while R2 squashes one by collapsing the fighter's solar panel. It looks like Anakin is all clear until Ahsoka catches a glimpse of his fighter's undercarriage. It is crawling with buzz droids. So we open Mike at Cato Nomodia. We haven't seen that in a while. Season two, I believe, Senate Spy. Um, mm -hmm. and, and of course, this opening scene, really cool. It's very, very similar to um, uh, Revenge of the Sith. Uh, definitely. I mean, you got both fighters coming in, except it's uh, Anakin Ahsoka this time. But yeah. very similar, very nice looking, very well, very well done. Uh, the buzz droids, I love the buzz droids, and I love the reveal of that. Kind of a little bit of a, a surprise, you know. You think, oh wow, they got them all. And then he, she turn, tells them to turn the turn the ship so she can look underneath on the engines, and you see it just crawling with buzz droids. So I thought that was a cool little mix. But this episode, uh, we, like we talked about earlier, Mike, um, starts off kind of with a bang and then after that it's all it's all kind of this mystery science theater not mystery science theater <laughs> just a mystery thing going on you know it's just yeah. uh who done it one of those who done it type of things and we're just getting the beginning so it's hard to it's hard to judge this you know if, by itself it's just you're waiting for the next part you're like you feel like you just saw the very you know i feel like i'm missing something on this episode you know it's like that's all we got was Something blew up, the Jedi Temple blew up, and that's all we know. We, we find out uh, who was involved. So really tough to, to gauge or to rate this episode, however you want to say it. It was okay, but we've got so much more to get through um, with these episodes. What do you think? 
Yeah, um, I mean, th this opening is, is pretty well done, and I think from a technical standpoint, I mean, sort of bravo, good job. Right. Well done, Dave and the crew. Uh, from a story standpoint, it is almost beat for beat the the Anakin Obi Wan Obi Wan yeah moment in in Revenge of the Sith, which I uh, which bugs me a little bit. Like it really does because we've seen it already. Yeah, I, I mean, like I they were they did get a little bit bit clever with it. The the stuff. To be honest, here's here's the bigger problem. This is better than the one in Revenge of the Sith. Okay. <laughs> I think that's that probably my, me a little bit. That's probably my bigger issue is that <laughs> with the exception of of the the opening single shot of Revenge of the Sith, everything they do in this one does it a little bit better. If you replaced Ahsoka with Obi-Wan and and you know, you put them on Coruscant and you had it play out just like this, the whole thing with the buzz droids would have been much better, I think. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, it would have been much more entertaining, much more fun in the movie theater. Um, the, the fact that, you know, they, they're going and, and the thing pops and, and the buzz droids hit them, up until that point, it's almost identical to, uh, to Revenge of the Sith. And then Anakin really easily handles the buzz droids, which bugs me because it's inconsistent with Revenge of the Sith. Right. Like I don't, I'm not sure why. He just uses the Force. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure why Obi Wan didn't just do that himself. Right. Um, but the funny part of it, of him being like, "Oh, it's no big deal. I got this." He clears them off, and then it, the, 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 uh, the nose pops through the bottom of the, of his cockpit floor. And there's a there there's a buzz droid underneath them, and you're like, oh no, there's a buzz. There's still some buzz droids on the bottom of his ship. And Ahsoka says, flip it over. He flips it over, and it's just covered yeah. on the bottom with buzz droids. And you're like, like that's a funny moment. That that was a clever writing mm -hmm. moment, and and I feel like that's more clever than Anakin. Sh trying to shoot the buzz droids off and then Obi-Wan being like, don't do that, you're going to kill me. And then him Use trying to clean them off with the side of the wing. Yeah. And then R2 hitting one of them. Like, And R2's moment of closing the flap on top of it, like crushing one of them, I thought was much better use of R2 on the ship than... like I. It almost felt like, I can we try this again? Like, this is take two. Of, of that sequence. And they've done that a couple of times in the Clone Wars, um, which can get a little bit tiring because it's like, you know what? Those sequences are what they are. Just leave them on. It's like in season six, are we going to get a scene of, of Obi-Wan riding a... a well, I'll, I'll, I'll just go back. We got Anakin riding giant lizards last season, didn't we? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we got, we got a redo on Boga already. Um... So you you know like like there are lackluster moments in in the prequel trilogy that I think were really great trailer moments, but not such great moments in the movies, and uh, and they've tried to redo some of those in over the course of of the Clone Wars, and I it just kind of bugs me when they do because you kind of you gotta leave it alone. It's it's like it's like having Vader say no 
in Return of the Jedi. I think we've all learned to live with it, and we're all okay with it now. It's not mm-hmm. a big deal. But it still is a little bit like, all you're doing is reminding us of a moment in a movie that we thought that what, that we thought was kind of not so great to begin with, right? Mm-hmm. I, just, I don't right. want to be too negative, but it... It, it does just kind of go... Um, it, this is difficult because it that is a great sequence. I mean, in the opening of Revenge of the Sith is awesome. But um, but I do feel like they were a little bit more clever because they had a little bit more time to think about it and do it again. You know what I mean? So, right. they, like, they did. And, and to me, it's this is a, very similar to throwing Chewbacca into the Season 3 finale just because you can use Chewbacca. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't need to be Chewbacca. It could have been any Wookiee, and they right. could have they could have done anything with with the 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 Ada two Jedi starfighters. They didn't need to recreate the opening of Revenge of the Sith, um, particularly because Anakin is there in both instances. So now it's like when I watch Revenge of the Sith, it's really going to be ruined for me because I'm going to go, Anakin, why aren't you saying anything about it? Yeah. Right. Of course, maybe when Watch we see what course. happens with Ahsoka, uh, it's just a, it's a tough. It's a. But then, if that's the case, why doesn't he have an emotional response? Right. Like. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You just you add baggage to that scene in Revenge of the Sith when you tie it so closely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. I, I was kind of surprised to see you like this one better, but uh, I, I can certainly understand I re- it. I, I laughed out loud, and I laughed pretty hard in the moment when the ship flips over, and right, it's yeah. just yeah. covered with buzz droids on the underside. <laughs> and they're, like, kind of crawling around on it, right? They're kind of, like, like jumbling about. And, uh, and it's just a really great comedic moment of... And then he flips back over, and, and he's like is it bad and she's like you need to land the ship (laughs) she doesn't say like she doesn't address it she doesn't say right uh, your ship is covered in buzz droids she's like it's just a really great comedic moment between the two of them of you need to land the ship you need to land it now um and 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 then anakin i mean we'll talk about it but anakin crashing a ship yet again Oh, yeah, we'll talk about that. Go ahead. Yeah, so here, let me continue. Uh, One of the tenacious gremlins drills into Anakin's cockpit, shorting it out. A sudden shock knocks Anakin unconscious, leaving his ailing ship to glide through the fog. R2-D2 can't fly back to the cruiser with all the damage inflicted by the buzz droids. It's up to Ahsoka to save her master. Ahsoka orders R2 to land the ship on a nearby cliff ledge. She has her droid R7 match speed with Anakin's ship and pulls up alongside it. R2 skids the ship on the cliff, crushing the buzz droids while Ahsoka pops open her cockpit and leaps from one vessel to the other. As the fighter grinds towards a precipitous drop, Ahsoka slices open Anakin's cockpit with her lightsaber and lifts her unconscious master to safety. She leaps from the craft just as it plummets over the edge, landing safely on the cliff. R2-D2 uses his rockets to escape the doomed fighter. I... So yeah, yeah. I mean, Anakin crashes yet another ship. Um, <laughs> yeah. I I think here's the thing. Everything that I just said about about this mirroring what happens in Revenge of the Sith, that is a mark against it. Every time Anakin crashes a ship, Obi Wan's comment 
at in Revenge of the Sith after they land the Separatist cruiser, and he says another happy landing. Every time Anakin crashes something, that gets funnier and funnier for me because, as well as as Obi Wan's mention to Luke of he was the, the best star pilot, <laughs> the greatest star pilot in the galaxy, yeah. uh, and a good friend, and all that sort of thing. Like it. I I like those moments more because and Kyle mentioned on the Facebook page, right uh, on the Facebook group about this and and I completely disagree with him. He feels like it takes away from that and that Anakin's supposed to be blah blah blah. Anakin is he is a he is the best star pilot in the Jedi Order. It's obvious. It's been made obvious by this show. It's yes. funny and ironic that although Anakin may be the greatest star pilot in the galaxy, he keeps crashing ships because like I think it's a it's a result of the fact that he takes risks and he right. does things that other pilots don't do. So he gets himself into situations where you know like it, he it, the thing is, is that he ma- he manages to crash his ships but always walk away from them. And I think that's one of the things that makes him it's 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 heroic at the end of the day. It's humorous and it's a it's a character flaw that he keeps crashing different ships, but it's also like nobody has crashed more ships than Anakin Skywalker and certainly nobody has had the opportunity to crash as many ships because most people crash them and die, right? But for him it's like it's like Indiana Jones who's like they're in the in in the last crusade he's in the 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 fighter plane and and his father says do you know how to fly a plane and he says fly yes land no which which makes the moment in raiders of the lost ark even funnier because they intended on stealing the flying wing that had the ark loaded onto it mm-hmm. and taking that and then you think, like, his line, I'm making this up as I go, uh, you're like, wait a second, he doesn't know how to land a plane. <laughs> he was going to steal a plane, get it off the ground, fly it, and then figure it out as he goes. And and I feel like Anakin shares a little bit of that character. of like the, I mean, they're all, the DNA is all is sort of interspersed throughout all of George Lucas's characters, right? And And I feel like one of the reasons why there's no Han Solo in the prequels and especially in in the Clone Wars is because Anakin is Han Solo. Like people don't people yeah. don't get that cuz they keep wanting Anakin to be Luke Skywalker, but Anakin's not Luke Skywalker. There is no Luke Skywalker in the prequel trilogy because Anakin is Han Solo and Luke Skywalker kind of, but more so he's got the Han Solo traits. He's a, he's a, a a scrappy guy that that tries to get himself out of really difficult situations and he's always got a joke for everything right um so so for me it's he's a lot like indiana jones in that respect where it's like fly yes land no i so i don't know i like it i i I think that it's one of the best things that they've done for the character in making him more endearing yeah i think well we've seen him before i mean i think it was cat and mouse um Mm -hmm. I believe the episode where he pulls that move out of hyperspace that yeah clearly they've like you said Mike they've shown in this in this series that why he is considered the greatest pilot 
And I think you're right. Also that, you know, he pushes the envelope. Anakin um, pushes the envelope more than anybody else as far as his flying is concerned. And, and this particular scene had nothing to do with pushing the envelope or anything. He just got buzzed and knocked out. So yeah. it wasn't necessarily his fault that he crashed. He was knocked out. What was he supposed to do? So, but no, I think the series has shown that he is a fantastic pilot. Uh, and he pushes the envelope more than anybody else. And, and how fast are these starfighters going? Because do you, it seemed like that thing was uh, on the ground, skidding on the ground for a very, very long time. It seemed kind of odd. It's like, Jesus, thing's going forever on this, uh, going off this ledge. You know, it's, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. taking a while to get there. But uh, no, I, I think uh, it's. I can understand what Kyle's saying. Most of the time, we see Anakin crashing. And it's like a big joke. But I think they've showed that. Uh, that he is a great pilot. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, bewildered, a bewildered Anakin calls in Captain Rex for a gunship pickup and then receives a priority message from the Jedi Temple. Master Yoda recalls Anakin and Ahsoka to Coruscant for a shocking reason. The Jedi Temple hangar has been bombed by a terrorist. Inside the Jedi Council chamber, Anakin and Ahsoka have difficulty believing the news. It was not just an act of infiltration by a separatist saboteur. It's possible a Jedi Knight did this. As Ahsoka and Anakin were not present at the time, they are above suspicion. May Senyota point to them to lead the investigation. How could the Separatists infiltrate the temple? Worse than that, it is. What could be worse, Master Yoda? Everything is on the table. We have to look at the possibility that it could have been anyone in the temple, even a Jedi. If a Jedi, this is. Gone to the dark side. There. I... I can't believe a Jedi would attack a place this sacred. We'd like for you two to lead the investigation. We can't trust anyone who was here, even a Jedi. You and Ahsoka will provide an impartial point of view, free of assumptions. We'll do everything we can. Careful, you must be. Skywalker, if willing to destroy the temple, the attacker is. To great lengths they will go, to keep from being caught. Then I guess we'll have to go to even greater lengths to catch him. And you know, Mike, this is... Here's here about this this particular episode, maybe this whole arc, is that... Um, you know, they're putting it out there that the Clone Wars is showing that how much of a stress and impact it's having on the Jedi... Uh, the Jedi Council, and uh, the whole order as a whole. Um, you know, Mace Windu is talking about, you know, they, they can't even trust anybody in the Jedi Temple. You know, they're talking about Jedi. And we've seen with recent episodes like the Krell arc, you know, Krell going to the dark side and, and the Lost 20 and Count Dooku years ago. But, man, um, I think these episodes are huge in the fact that we're seeing uh, just how much of a bad impact this Clone Wars is having on the Jedi Order. So uh, that's kind of what I picked out from this particular, this, this scene here. It's, it's pretty wild. Well, it's, it's uh, uh, the Clone Wars are doing exactly what they're supposed to. It's not necessarily about thinning the numbers of, of the Jedi. It's also about making, putting the Jedi in a position that uh, that they their power is diminished, mm-hmm. uh, as well as the fact that there aren't as many of them. I mean, uh, it, and 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 we can see that that's 
that's something that's going on. It's a really, really heavy influence on this episode, uh, and and I think it's going to be on this arc. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it's it's really interesting the direction that they're taking this, and I think it makes Order sixty six. Uh, it makes it a little bit more more mm-hmm. uh, uh, palatable, right. easy to swallow yeah. in episode three because you're going like, well, it's not like the the fact that the the clones managed to kill all the Jedi is still a little bit it's a it's a little inconsistent with how powerful we've seen the Jedi, but as we've seen in this show, there are not that many Jedi left. Uh, they keep getting taken out, and I. I and there's other stuff. There are things that we didn't know in episode three that had happened. Things like the bombing of the Jedi Temple, in which I'm sure lots of Jedi died, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They talked about there were Jedi and there were there were hangar workers and that sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. um, but the 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 fact that there could be a Jedi among them that that could have done this, but they've got to figure out who it is, like. They set really high stakes in this episode, and uh, and and that this scene, the the clip that we just heard was really important in setting those stakes. I think right. of of just making it really clear because I think for us it's easy for us to go, oh this is what's going on. But I think uh, you have to remember that that it's the Clone Wars. It's on Saturday mornings, and there are younger viewers. And uh, and they did a really good job of making it incredibly clear that they could be looking for a Jedi, and that everybody else is going to be looking for a Jedi as well because mm-hmm. it's the Jedi Temple and ever like the people are are they're leaning in that direction. They want to point the finger at the Jedi. Right. So yeah, we'll see that uh, come into play here in a little yeah. bit as well. Uh, go ahead, Mike. Uh, Anakin and Ahsoka enter the smoldering wreckage of the Jedi Temple hangar where the where forensic droids are already at work scanning the debris. It's a disturbing sight, made all the more disturbing by the possibility that a Jedi is responsible. Anakin reminds a disbelieving Ahsoka that Count Dooku and General Krell's betrayals are sad precedents. The two confer with Russo ISC, a crime scene analyzer droid. Russo is to share the duties of interviewing surviving maintenance staff with the Jedi, given that there may be some distrust, distrustfulness of the Order. Uh, that was that was probably one of the best lines in the entire episode for me, was when uh, when the Ahsoka's like, well, I'll go start the interviews, and, and Russo goes, maybe I should be doing the interview, <laughs> considering... Nobody trusts people, you. People already think it's a Jedi. So, yeah. and it's 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 an awesome thing that Clone Wars, that the Star Wars does, in that um, some of these droids have as much personality as as R two and three PO. And just because you're a droid, we see a lot of stupid droids. We see a lot of battle droids. We see a lot of gonk droids. We see a lot of really just mouse droids, stupid droids that don't do anything. Right. Right. Yeah. But. This show does a great job of reminding us that droids are characters. They're not just tools, which which I think a lot of Star Wars EU tends to do that, tends to use droids as as plot devices and and stuff like that. Um, what kills me is that we just we just finished a few weeks ago an arc about five droids. 
and uh, not not one of them had as much personality in all four episodes of that as Russo does in this in this scene, mm-hmm. and that in, and like I'm be honest, that includes R two. R two is R two, so we imbue him with a lot of personality. But if you didn't have any preconceived notions about that character going into the droid arc, it, he would have been just as flat as the rest of them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, not necessarily flat because Wack wasn't flat; he was obnoxiously rounded. But I, <laughs> but yeah, you know what I mean, right? Like, the, like this character um, is tongue in cheek. The fact that he's he's uh, a, a reference to CSI and to David Caruso and right, all that, yeah. um, and I love his his sunglass flicking of, <laughs> of his uh, his his uh, little like uh, examination tool. Uh, that he that he flicks over his eyes, um, and th- it's a little tongue in cheek, and it's a little cute, and it's a it's a little on the nose and meta, but it it doesn't. Yeah. Although there's that aspect of it, the character is still the character and serves the proper purpose and and has the right context. And so, really, after this scene, you just kind of forget about it. Um, the only time it, it ever really is noticeable is when he has his one-liners, but the, but it takes you out of it, but it doesn't take you out of it in a bad way, right? Like it takes you out of it, and you're like, man, that was awesome, that was hilarious. The way that he just like he said, you know, maybe it's a Jedi and flicked down his sunglasses or whatever. You know, he ha- he has a couple of really good lines, and I just think that that it's that's to be commended uh, in, in an episode that really breaks from the formula of Clone Wars, um, like this one does. Although we did have an episode like this that was very that was very similar uh, in season two, the Senate murders mm-hmm. was that season three? Maybe that was the beginning of season three, but um, but we did have an episode that was kind of procedural in aspects and had the the investigator voiced by Tom Kenny. Um, oh right, you know, yeah, for SpongeBob. Yeah, but inspector, I, the inspector, yeah. yeah, yeah, the inspector. But I, the, Russo, if you could go back and you could replace that character. All respect to Tom Kenny because he's an awesome voice actor. But if you could re- replace him with with Russo, I that would be I'd be okay with that. Mm-hmm. I, I think that episode would be stronger. I just really like this character. He'll make an awesome action figure. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't have any idea that it was uh, you know kind of modeled after David Caruso. But yeah, when you see the name Russo and then it has the ISC at the end, mm-hmm. uh, it, it makes a little bit of sense. But uh, you know, I also like the Anakin. He um, he says not every Jedi agrees with this war and uh they're kind of bringing you back to some of the stuff of the lost 20 and krell which is still according to the timeline and to to this series it was fairly recent so they're still dealing with that and realizing that uh you know i guess there can be bad jedi out there so uh see in the jedi temple medical labs where many of the workers are recovering from the blast ahsoka is alarmed by the fear exhibited by longtime temple workers one shaken uh, Pantoran worker tells her that he believes maintenance crewman Jakar Bo- Bomani was responsible for the attack. He has been working on the area of the hangar where the blast originated. There are no traces of B- uh, Bomani's current whereabouts. They inform Anakin and continue their investigation. Uh, sorry. Uh, Anakin meets with the Jedi head of security, Sindralig who stands at the steps of the Jedi Temple. A throng of protesters, family and friends of workers killed in the explosion, have gathered to decry the violence of the Clone Wars, holding the Jedi responsible. 
Anakin shows Sin a hologram of Jackar, uh, sorry, Jackar Bomani, hoping Draleg might have a lead. From the protesters, Leta Termon steps forward. She identifies herself as Jackar's wife. She's been trying to reach her husband. Anakin ushers Leta into the temple for questioning. Leta explains that Jackar dis- dedicated his life to the temple. She seems desperate to find her husband. So we get the first appearance of Sindralic, or Nick Gillard. Yes. Uh, of course, the uh, lightsaber guru behind the, the prequel trilogy. And we actually saw him in episode three, I believe, um, in the hologram, if I'm not mistaken. Did we see yes. him in episode two also? I thought just three. Uh, maybe, I believe maybe just, it's three. just three. He, yeah. he had a whole... They had a whole thing where, where they choreographed a fight between him and Anakin, and mm-hmm. it was it was a pretty intense fight. But it was like a fifteen minute lightsaber duel in the temple, and uh, and what ends up and that's all we got. <laughs> and Jeez. what what ended up getting cut together was that was just his death, and yeah. just that that one part. And so they worked forever on that sequence, um, only to have it be. Yeah. Five minutes, uh, not even like it's like thirty seconds of screen time before yeah. he dies. But that was kind of cool seeing seeing him and uh, yeah, it's cool uh, to see him in this in the series. Yeah. Nice he's, a, he's a character that I'd like to see more of, like that mm-hmm. I'd like to see an episode about. But yeah, exactly. And and uh, also in this particular area, uh, Anakin, he can feel. I love the way that he can feel the anger and the confusion going on inside the temple. And when, at one point, he kind of closes his eyes, sort of like meditating. Uh, before he gets to the Sindralic thing. But hey, that was also interesting about um, the crowd here at the temple. I mean, we find out that actual... Um, it's not just the Jedi in the temple. I mean, there's workers in there, and 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 outside the temple, there's this big um, kind of protest going on. I mean, you see these signs going up with uh, the clone helmet with a, you know, a red slash through it. Um, some signs that are in in the Arabic language, I believe, and they say stuff like, you know, down with the Clone War, or whatever it is, you know, Mike. But it's interesting yeah. how people now that are a part of this temple are kind of turning against uh, the Jedi and the war itself. And uh, we'll see how the Senate might get involved here in a few minutes. Uh, back in the hangar, Ahsoka studies a holographic reconstruction of the explosion. Tracing the trajectory of the blast, they find the bomb origin point, but no residue. Russo ISC discovers the evidence of nanodroids. According to Jakar's personal file, he was a munitions expert tasked with maintaining the bombs and weaponry of the Republic gunships. He has specialized knowledge of nanotechnology. If he is at large, he may be planning a second strike. Russo scans through the hours of security recordings, but finds no trace of Jakar anywhere else in the temple. Anakin and Ahsoka report back to Mace Windu. He warns them that the swift revolution to this investigation is imperative, as already there are whispers in the Senate that the military police may need to become involved. Russo ISC calls back Anakin and Ahsoka to the temple hangar with a surprising development. He has found the remains of Jakar, a severed hand recovered from the crime scene. The nanodroids were inside Bomani's bloodstream. He was the bomb. Master Skywalker, we have found Jakar. Lock down all exits so we can't escape. Where is he? 
part of him is here. I don't think now is a good time to joke. This is all that remains of Jakar. His hand? The rest of him exploded. Because he was so close to the bomb? Because he was the bomb. What's this? The connection we were looking for to the explosion in the hangar. The nanodroids? How did they get in his bloodstream? Well, this just keeps getting better and better. We're gonna have to search Jakar's home for evidence. Alright, Mike, and uh, I'll tell you what. That was actually a kind of a cool scene where they have this um, almost... I don't even know what to call it. Uh, where they're kind of reconstructing the scene and they have this mm -hmm. uh, virtual reality type uh, thing. It, it was really cool. Uh, I really enjoyed watching that and seeing how that kind of them reconstruct the uh, the whole bombing there. And a new element in the Clone Wars that I don't think I've heard of this before, the nanodroids, uh, microscopic yeah. technology, and, and this Jakar, he's a specialist in it. So we got this new sort of technology going on and the Senate is now involved and yeah, the Jedi, they don't like when the Senate gets involved when their stuff, you know, they're talking about this in the, in the Jedi Council there, um, just before that clip there about, uh, hey, you know, if we don't get control of this soon, the Senate's gonna get involved with us and this is even gonna get worse for us. So uh, a lot of cool stuff, but uh, uh, I don't know, this Jakar guy, he, he, we, we find out that it turns out that he's actually, <laughs> He was actually the bomb. Uh, interesting kind of thing going on here. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, well, that was one of those moments. That was one yeah. of the uh, the CSI uh, David Caruso moments. So when he goes, he was the bomb, and then and then yeah. uh, flicks down his sunglasses. It just even just listening back to it, I, it was it was funny. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I, I really liked the 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 crime scene investigation tools. The uh, it's. It's funny because in in shows like CSI and uh, and and Law and Order and whatever, when they do the crime scene stuff, they always have these ridiculous things that don't really exist. But when you're in Star Wars, those things could exist. So yeah. it's like uh -huh. you don't even have to question it. It it doesn't take you out of it. You're not like oh yeah sure. You're like well holograms are very commonplace. So of course. They, if they're recording the room and and it's the Jedi Temple, so of course they would be right. They'd be monitoring the room for for security reasons. Uh, you'd be able to recreate the explosion and and sort of map everything out and see everything and and uh, and figure out exactly what happened. And uh, it's just. It's it's a little curious to me. It seems like they they may have done the opposite of what they do in shows like CSI when it comes to Star Wars, and they dumbed down the technology a little bit. The mm -hmm. fact that they couldn't just go back, look at a video or a holograph security recording of you know when Jakar came into the room and what he had on him, and seeing you know to see that that he was the bomb. Uh, it, it, it was, that was maybe a little bit of an issue for me, but mm -hmm. it kind of it had to happen that way so that they could tell the story the way that they wanted to tell it. So, yeah, I forgive them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, go ahead, I can go to the next one. Uh, yeah, uh, Anakin and Ahsoka take a turbo speeder to a street level apartment in a rundown section of Coruscant. 
They head to Jekar's apartment, and Ahsoka begins scanning the rooms with a handheld sensor. She finds evidence of nanodroids on food scraps in the trash. Jakar must have ingested the explosive droids. Just then, Leta enters the apartment. She is shocked to find the Jedi there. Ahsoka's scanner finds no trace of the nanodroids on the Widow. But she, of course, is still a suspect. The Jedi take her in for questioning, but as they leave the apartment, she makes a run for it. Ahsoka and Anakin corner her, and when she loudly claims innocence in the death of Jakar, Anakin realizes she knows more than she's been letting on. The Jedi never told her Jakar was dead. When Anakin's temper starts to boil, Leta realizes she's been caught. Her attempts at misdirection have failed. She admits to feeding Jakar the bomb, but reveals nothing else. The Jedi bring her to the temple for questioning. I... There's there's one great thing about this sequence that that I have to point out, and that's uh, just how awesome Coruscant looked. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Not just Coruscant itself, and Coruscant itself did look great. Um, that sort of the lower levels feel of it. Um, I really liked all the the sort of the food carts sort of flying around that had a a, a sort of Blade Runner. Uh, th- this whole sequence had a very Blade Runner feel to it for me. Uh, Blade Runner and Fifth Element, but Fifth Element car- kind of borrows from Blade Runner, so that's it's kind of where they they sync up. Uh, but it, it had that sort of the congested streets and the uh, everything kind of hovers and flies around and and uh, is very high tech and and that sort of thing. And uh, um, the leaping from cart to cart right. was was a very cool element, but. Just, you know, if you go back and you watch that, um, people have complained earlier in this season about uh, Mandalore didn't look particularly populated or dense in a lot of the scenes. Um, and uh, I can remember going back to Onderon, people were talking about how everybody on Onderon kind of looked the same. But but watch these scenes again on Coruscant, and, uh, and you'll see that, that they are capable of of doing some really impressive crowd scenes with a diverse group and and this this sequence is is a good example of that i mean it's coruscant there's all sorts of species and i think they probably pulled out all the stops to make sure that it looked good in that respect so and here's the thing this is the tip of the iceberg Mm -hmm. i think i think we're going to get to see a lot more of coruscant in the coming episodes and it's going to be even more blade Mm runner-esque so well, I, I had mentioned, I had kind of made that in my notes too. That Coruscant, the underworld, was was really done very well, like you said. Uh, we get to see Jakar's residence, and Ahsoka makes a reference to how um, you know working at the Jedi Temple doesn't pay very well, and you kind of see that because they're on this, like you said, they're in the lower levels of Coruscant in this mm-hmm. tiny little apartment, and they kind of set up the scene very well about how Anakin and Ahsoka are off in different rooms. You get that CSI moment again, uh, and then she, is, she tries to escape and. Um, you know, I wrote down, you know, why? Why is she trying to escape? What is she hiding? And then she even says, you're dealing with things you don't understand. And this is after she's captured um, between uh, Anakin and Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. She says that. So I was like, wow, you know, this is, there's obviously a lot more coming to this. And what exactly is she talking about? And again, like you said, Mike, the CSI moment, uh, you know, they said, uh, she says, whatever she says about being dead. And Anakin says, I, I never said she was dead. You know, so they got her dead to rights there. It's one of those classic, you know, lines you see a lot in, in mystery type movies or CSI type shows. They do that to you. 
she got caught in, in a lie uh, fairly easy. But, uh, yeah, you know, what does she mean by you're dealing with things you don't understand? Mm-hmm. Hopefully we'll find out what she's talking about um, in the next couple episodes. We'll finish it up here. At the temple, Anakin updates Master Windu and Yoda. Russo ISC reports that no other nanodroids were found in the temple and no evidence of Jakar having accomplices has surfaced. Ahsoka is relieved that no Jedi were involved, but Mace is still concerned at how sharply public opinion has turned against the Jedi Order. The Jedi relationship with the Republic seems far more fragile than Ahsoka had imagined. I am also pleased to report Based on the security footage, Jakar Bomani acted alone, which means no Jedi was involved. Thanks, Russo. Good job. Did this woman say what her reasons were for attacking us? Not yet, but we're working on that. I think we can guess their motives easily enough. Public opinion is swaying against the Jedi. That is becoming clear. This war is becoming less and less popular every day it persists. Master, I'm relieved we solved this case, but... What if it had been a Jedi? Yes. I don't know how I would have felt if a Jedi was really behind this. There are going to be Jedi who disappoint us, Ahsoka. But as long as we know there are good Jedi who fight for what's right, it makes it all worthwhile. And we end up this mic, and uh, here's here's a couple things. Mace, he says, um, he thinks Leta's motive was that the public opinion of the Jedi has has been swaying, and maybe that was the reason that they decided to to bomb the uh, the temple. Um, you know, the, the obviously the war is unpopular, mm-hmm. especially around Coruscant and all that. So that's Mace's. But another interesting comment was from Ahsoka, where she says, um, you know, she says, you heard it right there in the clip. She doesn't know how she would feel if it was a Jedi. So that's an interesting, interesting comment because she she doesn't know how she she wouldn't feel mad. She wouldn't feel betrayed if it was a Jedi. Um, she just doesn't know how she would feel. So I, I don't know if that if we're supposed to read between the lines on that or if that was one of those comments where uh, maybe she didn't know what you know, writers are trying to throw us off or something like that. I don't know. It's just kind of a funny comment coming for you. You think they'd be mad and pissed and like, I can't believe it. I'm so glad a Jedi wasn't involved. It wasn't that. It was, I don't know how I'd feel. You know, <laughs> this is kind of an interesting comment. But yeah. Uh, so we kind of find out that at this point, one person was involved, but uh, I'm very, very curious to see how. Sidious has got to be involved in this somehow, you know, and just how it is. It's going to it's going to be crazy to find out. And you see from the, the behind the scenes video from Dave Filoni goes, wow, you can't believe what's going to happen or come up in the next few episodes. So very yeah. excited to see what happens. Um, but as a as a single episode, man, it's, it's it was OK, you know, but again, it's just one of these where you just got to see the whole thing, I think, all in one shot. Yeah, yeah, I think I think the thing with this arc is that it's going to be. Um, they had a lot. They, they had a lot to to set the stage for. Yeah, and right, it's going to be right. a slow burn. But when it gets going, it's gonna it's gonna it's be going to take off. Yeah, uh, and I yeah. think I I don't think that we're going to see Asajj until the last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I think, although it's possible that we'll see her in the second last episode, and then and then Final. more of a confrontation between Anakin and Ahsoka mm-hmm. by the last episode. I mean, we do have the the, the trailer that that we got um, about a week ago. Right. Uh, that there's some dialogue, and Anakin Anakin seems particularly distressed. Uh, it's hard to tell if he's angry. It's hard to tell if he's he's upset, like how he's upset, in in what in what manner he's upset. But he's clearly not okay with what Ahsoka's been doing, mm-hmm. and we've seen a lot of clips of of clone troopers and gunships hunting her. So uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to oh, be yeah. an interesting ride, and I think this this episode is it was more so set the stage and reinforce the relationship between Ahsoka and Anakin, particularly right. that, uh, that first clip, mm. uh, that, that first scene. Yeah. Um, I think like it's very much in the same way that episode three opens up. See, and I'm now putting it together. There's a reason why there's the mirroring there of the way that episode three opens with Anakin and Obi-Wan in the middle of an adventure and best friends and we're calling each other brothers and and all of that sort of thing and and uh, it mm-hmm. sets the stage for the betrayal by the end of it um, yeah. so let's uh, I, I think I'll probably leave it there because because I mean we've been speculating all season about this yeah. and everybody knows where I stand on this, but I right, right. But let me just say that that opening, mirroring the opening of Revenge of the Sith, I think possibly lends a little bit of credence to what I've been saying for the last mm-hmm. year. Um, yeah, and I, I think I think I think Ahsoka has a very murky future, <laughs> uh, to say the least. Huh? And her her comment at the end is definitely evidence of that. She doesn't know where she stands. Yeah, she's right, not right. quite she's not quite with the Jedi. She's not quite with the Republic. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's some, think, some up there. Yeah. I, yeah, I think that more more than anything, she's with she's on the side of justice. She's on the side of right, on the the light side. Mm-hmm. But whether the Jedi are necessarily following the light side right now, which I think is up for debate, um, and whether or not the Republic is up to something. Uh, obviously, the Republic. We know the Republic is up to something because we know that that Palpatine mm-hmm. is up to something. Mm-hmm. Whether or not he has other things in motion other than just the clone troopers and the Jedi. Uh, you know, like Order sixty six, I think we're gonna find out, and I think that that some of the clips, some of the trailers, are leading us in that direction. They they, by the end of this, it's gonna be very clear that Sidious has much bigger plans than than we've known about up until this point. Like he's got other people involved, and I think that we're gonna see, we're gonna find out just how much Tarkin knows. Yeah, and, right. And, uh, right. Just how involved Tarkin is with the with Order sixty six with the takeover. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the lines that's in that trailer we haven't really talked about the trailer, so that's kind of why I'm taking this opportunity because uh, one of the lines in that trailer uh, alludes to the fact that that 
the Republic, the Senate, feels like the Jedi are too involved in the war as it is, mm-hmm. and that they shouldn't be involved in the war. And and Tarkin definitely is on that side of things. Right. Um, we got that a little bit in the Citadel arc, where he was like, you know, I've never really met a Jedi that I liked until I met Anakin Skywalker. Like he's kind of got that attitude, which <laughs> which lends to the relationship that they have in A New Hope. Um, yeah. And and I think we're going to see a little bit more of that. We know Tarkin, Tarkin is a ruthless guy. We know that he will blow up a planet to prove a point. Um, so, so we'll just have to see how far he's going to take it on the Clone Wars. Just how bad he is now. Because I think he's definitely a bad guy. He's not. He's not a gray area character. He's just. He's just. Um, in D and D terms, what we would call lawful evil. Um, <laughs> He okay. may be he may be on the side of the law, but that doesn't necessarily make him a good guy. Um, so we're gonna see. We're gonna have to see. Oh yeah, it definitely trouble is brewing in the uh, in the Jedi Order. So uh, we'll see what's happening next week. Before we get there, though, let's check into what's going on in Facebook. Wait a minute. Play back the entire message. Where are those transmissions you intercepted? He is carrying a message from an Obi-Wan Kenobi. I was beginning to wonder if you'd got my message. I saw part of the message. You... I seem to have found it. All right, Mike, I just wanted to clear up some things going on with... Uh... The Clone Wars. It says, uh, I saw this week, this is from Anthony Rice on Facebook. He says, I saw this week James Arnold Taylor tweeting about recording new Clone Wars. Now, I know that they record at least a year or two ahead of their air date. I know there was speculation that they were nearing the end. But does this mean that there will be a season eight? And I know we've talked about this, Mike, about how, you know, we haven't seen James Arnold Taylor talk about um, the Clone Wars like he used to do a lot uh, in his Twitter and all of a sudden he comes up, and I remember seeing a tweet about some Clone Wars, and you have a theory about that. I want to, and for those who haven't seen the Facebook page, which, what is your theory on this? Yeah, I, I'm more inclined to believe, I, I do think that, that season six is going to be the last season. I'm thinking too, yeah. yeah. I, here's, let me update that. Season six is going to be the last season. I don't think it's going to be the end of the Clone Wars. I think there's a possibility that we could get a movie, movie? to yeah. cap it. And I think that's what they could be working on now. Mm, okay. That said, I don't think, if anything, James Arnold Taylor could possibly be in the recording studio in reference to that. I think more than likely what he's in the recording studio for right now is season six stuff. Uh, that he's in there doing pickup dialogue and, and that sort of thing. Um, you'll find that a lot of the time in, in production that they'll have a good idea of what they're going to do, especially in TV, uh, and, and especially in animated stuff, um, especially heavily serialized animated stuff like this. They know what they're doing. They know where they're going. They write the episode, they get pretty deep into it, but then they're animating it. And as they're animating it, because because of the fact that they recorded two years ago or a year and a half ago for episodes that will be airing in the fall, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, what you end up with is we wrote it, we, sh- we, we recorded all the dialogue, and then we started actually shooting it, as in putting together the animation, and I uh, realized, oh, wait, that doesn't really flow. We need a scene in between here. Or in the instance of, of last week's episode... We don't have time 
we got to take a scene out. So they took out the scene with Anakin and Ahsoka talking about the Twilight. Mm -hmm. So uh, just as much as they take out, they put in new dialogue and new scenes. Um, So that said, I I would lean towards the, the idea that James Arnold Taylor is in the studio for some additional dialogue um, for something in season six. I really feel like uh, next year is, is potentially the last. Um, if not, season seven will be the last, mm-hmm. which means that they've probably already concluded their recording. Um, mm-hmm. That's, that's my inclination. That's, that's, that's my intuition, I guess. That's what my gut tells me. Um, yeah. Because I, I think that the Clone Wars will finish before Episode Seven. Right, right. This, see, I would say the same thing. I would say possibly six. And the only reason I say that is, again, we know that Star Wars movies are coming out in 2015, and they've also canceled the 3D stuff. And it looks like they're really, really focusing on these movies episode seven the two spin-offs they got coming fairly soon so i mean that's a lot of resources you need and to, don't forget yeah. that detours is on its way and detours yeah so i just i don't know i just think with all that coming i think like you know we can't as much as it'd be nice to have all this stuff out there mike yeah. you know it's you gotta you gotta kind of trim it down a little bit and with the move to disney and possibly to disney xd or abc uh, more than likely Disney XD. Mm-hmm. It's it's really difficult, I think, for them to figure out what they're going to do with a series that ran most of its run on Cartoon Network, on Cartoon Network with the help of Warner Brothers, which is uh, mm-hmm. uh, th- that's one of Disney's main rivals. Um, so so I think that they they have a hard time with that. I think. We're, we're still going to have to wait a little while before, uh, probably May, before we find out what the fate of the Clone Wars is going to be on TV. Mm-hmm. And by that, I don't mean whether or not we'll get another season. We are getting another season. Don't Nobody should be worried about that. We are getting at least another season, if not two. Um, but where that ends up, how we end up seeing it is kind of the more... That's up in the air, yeah. The more difficult question to answer. The thing that really sucks about all of this, uh, the Disney stuff and, and stuff like uh, like Episode 7 coming out and, and the Clone Wars possibly moving networks, is that it doesn't just affect Star Wars. Obviously, we talked about it last week, the, the, the 3D movies not coming out in the near future... Is, is a blow and and uh, you know we kind of no I don't think anybody's happy about it uh, I don't even think that Lucasfilm is particularly happy about it they're just it's just what has to happen but uh, there are other things that suffer because of this I uh, Tron uprising which has been a, a really great series on Disney XD probably won't get renewed if Clone Wars is moving to Disney XD mm-hmm. it's a silly move on Disney's part. Uh, and if anybody at Disney is listening to this or anybody can get this to Disney, know that the the one thing better than having a stronger show than Tron Uprising is having the Clone Wars lead into Tron Uprising. I think by, like they, if they can use Star Wars to shore up 
the numbers on on male viewers on their networks and their in their movies and stuff like that. Um, they can use it to strengthen their other properties. We probably won't get another John Carter movie because Disney now owns Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether or not we actually get to see Tron three is kind of up in the air because Disney now has Star Wars. And why would they segment the public? Like this is the thinking of studios, right? Why would they segment the public when you know what they've got a surefire thing? Um, so I hope that that doesn't happen. I hope that we don't see that sort of problem of of Disney putting all their eggs in the Star Wars basket uh, and abandoning everything that they've been doing over the last five years to build up that audience, putting out movies like Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, putting out movies like mm-hmm. Tron, putting out John Carter, and, and having the, the tie-ins that they have with those. Uh, I think it... it it would benefit them much more to fold Star Wars into those plans than to use Star Wars as a replacement for those plans. Mm-hmm. But this is how studios often work. So, so we'll have to wait and see. Uh, yeah. And having having a Clone Wars season seven and eight on Disney XD would be a good reason for them not to bring back other shows like Motor City and and uh, Tron Uprising, which I think would be a shame. So, what I would like to see, I would honestly like to see the clone wars finish out with one more season on cartoon network and then a movie released in theaters uh-huh. uh and then tie everything uh, up yeah yeah and and just leave it just leave it the way it is if it's not broke don't fix it right mm-hmm. yeah. um but we'll have to wait and see yeah yeah p- lots of questions like you said i think we are going to see uh, have a, obviously a season six but uh mm-hmm. i think it's still up in the air as of that um coming up next week though we got to continue our story here with ahsoka and uh the actually the title of the episode is called the jedi who knew too much and i um well let's go ahead and listen to a quick clip and then we'll talk about what we're going to see yes next week i'm commander tano let a termon requested to see me a lot of innocent people died in that blast good job capturing her all right scanner Leave your comm link and lightsabers here. Follow me. want, Letta? I was told if I ever needed help, you were the Jedi to contact. Give us a minute, please. And, Mike, I hesitate to give a description of this particular episode because it is spoilerish. And I read it, and I was like, "Wow, I, I guess I spoiled myself." And I kind of did that to you. I didn't mean to. Um, I totally. So <laughs> I'll just fine. say, I'll just say that after it says, after meeting with Leta, actually in this in this particular clip, Ahsoka meets with Leta and looks like a detention center, and is talking to her. And she also meets with uh, Tarkin in another clip that you've seen probably online as well. Uh, she meets 
and some other things happen. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to spoil it for anybody out there. But uh, we'll leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. Leave if it at you that. Want, yeah. If you want to dig further, you can always go to the Star Wars wiki and uh, and and read that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. So that's uh, yeah, that's next week. So uh, more Anakin, and we get the introduction. Not introduction, but um, I guess the introduction of. Uh, I don't. I guess he's an admiral now, a Tarkin. Uh, uh, I think he's captain. This now. He's captain. Tarkin. He's still captain. Okay, he's still captain. Was he captain before? Maybe he was captain I, before. Yeah. Okay. I. Uh, I think he's been promoted. Yeah, he's admiral. been promoted, but I don't know that he's an admiral. Um, uh-huh. One thing. One thing that that I saw. I don't remember where I saw it. Where did I see it? I saw a new. Uh, uh, oh man. Clip or something or no? Um, what's his face? The 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 admiral that uh, Admiral Yularen. Yularen. There's okay. a new model for Admiral Yularen, so I think that we're going to oh, get okay. to see him oh, cool. pretty soon as well. Uh, I right. thought I thought that was actually going to be in this episode, but maybe it uh, maybe it wasn't. Nice. Uh, anyways, I th- I'm pretty sure I saw that on StarWars.com in some okay. concept art, mm-hmm. uh, but I. Uh, but I could be thinking of something else. But uh, but we could see we could see Admiral Yularen pretty soon. Um, let me see. And I believe just, I've just got it open, and I'm just taking a look to see if if I can bring that back up. Maybe it was for the next episode. But no, it was it was on this episode. But I don't remember seeing Admiral Yularen in this episode. Do you? No, no, I, not at all. Uh, maybe maybe there's a maybe there's a uh, a, a deleted scene mm. um, of Admiral Yularen. Okay, but we well, never know. You never know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, cool to have. Uh, cool to have Tarkin back though, and Stephen Stan who voices him. Uh, we'll see if we can get him on towards the end of the season uh, yes. to talk about that. So that'd be good. Uh, but next week, the Jedi who knew too much. Continuing this, um, I guess Hitchcockian, I believe, uh, series of episodes. So yeah. Uh, yeah, that's coming up next week. Titles. Cool, awesome. That's well, it, though. Yeah, that's it. That's it for us this week. Uh, don't forget to check us out online at www.clonewarspodcast.com. You can follow us over on Facebook at facebook.com slash clonewarspodcast. Uh, on Twitter at twitter.com slash clonewars. And you can send all of your comments, questions, and feedback to mail at clonewarspodcast.com. So thank you guys for listening, and we will see you next week on Frontline's The Clone Wars Podcast. Well, another close to another wonderful show. Obi-Wan Kenobi here saying thank you for listening to Frontline's The Clone Wars Podcast. Brought to you, of course, by StarWarsDaily.com. The force is strong with you all, and it will be with you always. 